Hello and welcome to Power Through Healing, the podcast created to support your inner evolution. I'm your host, Amanda Thomas, and I am so excited because today I'm going to share an interview that I had with Patrick Monette. He is a licensed health and addiction and certified trauma counselor. He works and lives in northern New York, and you guys, he is a ray of sunshine. I gotta tell you, I could talk to him for hours. He brings so much energy to a conversation. I was thrilled to be able to be a guest on his own podcast, Friday Night Feels, and I had such a fun time, such an amazing experience that I immediately invited him to come and be a guest on Power Through Healing. So I I can't wait to hear all of the feedback and takeaways that you guys have from this conversation. We speak a lot about forgiveness, the forgiveness of others, but also forgiving yourself for understanding that healing is a process, that we are humans, that we will make mistakes, that we we have feelings and emotions that we try our best to regulate, but sometimes we we get it wrong and that's okay. So please make sure to share this episode with anyone that you know that could benefit and make sure to find me on Instagram or join the Facebook group and let me know your takeaways from this episode. I cannot wait to share this, so let's just dive right in. So Patrick, why don't you share a little bit about your background and kind of what you're doing right now? So I am in Northern New York State and I am a licensed mental health counselor as well as a certified life coach and I have a private practice that uh, since COVID took over that has been 100% online. I like to say very busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in addition to clients and coaching and consultation. Um, I also, when COVID started and two years ago, I created my own podcast, which is Friday Night Feels, which is how we met. And um, being able to reach people around the world and in different backgrounds has been really exciting. So yeah, I love that. What got you into this type of work, this healing work? Uh, I think that I had always kind of wanted to do something in this field. I had actually been, for my undergrad, uh, well, let me backtrack a little bit. When I was um, 16 years old, I had the opportunity to do some mission work in Nicaragua. Nice. And that really changed my life incredibly so. And, you know, growing up, my parents had always uh, taught us to help others and and to be good people and and to kind of like a life of service, right? And that just always, it always felt natural. Like people have helped me along the way. So being able to pay it forward and help others people just always seemed really natural and sort of like a calling. Mm-hmm. And for my undergrad, I had finished my degree living in Chile, South America, and ended up living there almost three years. That's and so then cool. I, <laughs> yeah, I it was that. awesome. I've never left my own country, so <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, we'll exciting to going. me. Yeah. Yeah, we got plans. We got plans. <laughs> yes. So then uh, I came home and I felt really lost. And I think uh, if anyone's traveled internationally for periods of time, when you come back to the States, there's sort of an adjustment period where you you don't feel like you fit. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I was feeling. So I, I knew I wanted to go to grad school and I wanted something that would give me, let me be who I am, uh, you know, like free spirit, but also give me opportunity to have to help people and to have 
professional flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I found my graduate program in mental health counseling, and uh, it, it was the best choice I probably have ever made. Do you specialize in anything? I am a trauma specialist, and mm-hmm. I also work with addictions, and I'm also a certified couples therapist. Wow, that's so interesting. That's awesome. So how does that help you? Because like you said, you want to find a career where you can just be yourself. So what does that mean to like show up authentically, show up as yourself? How has that helped you in your career? I I think what I've seen, you know, most of us have grown up watching movies and TVs and, you know, seeing the the crappy therapist who's reading the crossword puzzle or, you know, some other nonsense like that. And uh, when I started grad school, one of the things that was really surprising to me is how much the focus was actually on us as individuals, Mm -hmm. which means we have to be healthy and in order to help others, we have to help ourselves and be healthy in order to be a healthy person for mm. other people, right? right? And really the the focus of learning how to to be genuine, to do the work, to to face my issues, to to mm. know that even though I'm in the mental health field, it's okay if you still struggle with mental health issues and reaching out for help which has actually been a very interesting part of my journey because I was surprised how much stigma there is in the mental health field for professionals to actually have therapy. Wow, really? There, it was, I I remember my first job out of grad school and there was this, it, it was, it was sort of like just this unspoken where, oh, well, we're the professionals, you know, what is a therapist gonna, you know, it was really this contradiction, this, yeah nonsense of well you're a therapist so you're you know all this stuff what is a therapist gonna teach you isn't that so interesting I mean we know we have the tools and the resources I mean what do you feel like sometimes we don't use those tools in our tool belt the way we should well and I I think we're programmed from different ways to to think that we can think our to believe that we can think our way through it. I think we do the comparison game a lot. Well, my hard isn't as hard as theirs, so that means it's really not hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, well, they had a really really bad life, and mine was good in this area. So is my pain really even valid? And then once again, going back to what I was saying is getting into a field in, in a, not just a field, but in a, in a specific work environment where it was not promoted in a healthy way to get therapy mm-hmm. or to get supports or to respect coaching, mm-hmm. which I think you and I talked a little bit about when you came <laughs> yeah. on. Um, so it, it, when I left that job, I went to another job, which was sort of similar. And then I finally found another job. <laughs> so it took yeah. a while and everyone at that last job was in therapy Yeah, and I started therapy and I remember being able to cry and let go of a lot of the trauma that you get being in the fields, but also mm-hmm. from the working environments. I didn't realize how harsh and broken I had become from my own field. Yeah, because you're taking on the weight of so many other people. So how have you learned to kind of deal with that to kind of separate yourself from your work? It's it's an ongoing process. It's really it's really difficult because when you're with people, you're you're holding them and you're supporting them and it's hard sometimes just to see another human being in such pain. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's where you really learn to, we, we talk about self-care and wellness as if they're just like something you can go and get at the dollar store, but it's really a philosophy. Sure. Um, and I think there's so many different components and I can tell you like where I've been burnt out and when I haven't done it and then it affects every aspect of my life when I'm not taking care of myself, when I'm not, when I'm overworking or overbooking or not doing physical health or not even drinking enough water or not moving mm. enough or not getting the support I need when I need it. So it, it's really learned, I've really learned, I should say, that it's it's ever changing what my needs are, but I have to be able to have the time to to listen to what those needs are. And sometimes it's as simple as, yep, I need to be in therapy or I need to have a coach or I need to have a good workout regime or I just need to let loose and have fun and mm. not not hold on to all of the the pain and the trauma that that people bring in. Yeah, it's about finding a way to release it. And there's so many different ways. And like you said, you know, certain days are better than others. For me, sometimes it's, you know, staying in bed for three hours. That's a good way for me to just reset. And then otherwise it is, no, I need to get outside and go for a hike instead or, you know, or something like that. Yes. So it's just being flexible and understanding what you're mind and body needs at the same time exactly and I think you know of what I'm telling my clients I remember when COVID took over and I think like a lot of people it was just everything was shut down and I just remember we were doing takeout a lot like Mm -hmm. to support businesses but also I think we were just a little lost so we were just like eating a lot of junk food and I just remember feeling so bloated from all (laughs) the fried food (laughs) and just you know yes and I I was thinking how can I talk about wellness when I'm not taking care of myself yeah yeah and it was kind of like a come to Jesus moment that I had to have of really evaluating am I taking care of of my emotional needs am I taking care of my mental health am I taking care of my physical health Mm. am I taking care of my spiritual health and I think that there was uh the last couple years have been rough for all of us Mm. different ways different ways and I think it it pushes us to challenge us to say, so the old ways that we used to take care of ourselves, we need to change that because yeah. it's not enough now. It's yeah. changed. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious. I always like to get everyone's answer to this. What does healing mean? Oh, that's a good question. I look at healing as if I can look at something that's harmed to me where there's pain, if I can look at it and not have that pain it means that I've taken the charge out of it. Mm, I like that. Take the charge out of it. Yeah. And like, it's kind of like, if you're looking at an ad, someone once taught me this analogy, if you're looking like at a photo album and are you having a really strong reaction to it? Or is it just another picture in your experience book? And I feel usually with healing, there's, there has to be a conversation about forgiveness. Mm, Yes. Yes, I've been exploring that quite a bit lately. (laughs) So, and I think we touched on that a little bit last time we spoke, but we didn't have time to really get into it. So I'd be excited to talk about that some more. Um, But how important is it? Because I keep, I kind of keep going back and forth where I'm like, is forgiveness really necessary? I'm going to say yes. (laughs) My vote is for yes. I think there's so many distortions that we've learned about forgiveness. I think that's why people have a really hard time with forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean you don't set boundaries or you have to continue a relationship or anything like that. It's it's about realizing that you can forgive and move on. Is that right? Yeah, well, and I think 
I, I think we, it always brings me to that phrase, forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. And to me, whenever, <laughs> not to be violent, but whenever someone says that to me, I just kind of want to throw a punch them. <laughs> <laughs> because we're not, we're, that's not what this is supposed to be about. Like, I'm not going to forget an experience yeah. because it changed me. Mm-hmm. So why are you trying to take that away from me? I can forgive, but I also have, you have to give me the dignity of what forgiveness means for me. Is that just like you're saying, is that working through the conflict so we can continue our relationship? Or is it learning that this relationship isn't uh, healthy for me? Or you having a relationship with me isn't healthy for you? Like, what does this mean? Mm. If we're not able to talk about the hard stuff, then how is it ever going to be a genuine, real relationship? Right. Right. And if it causes conflict for me to bring up my feelings about this, you know, that's kind of a red flag right there. Right. So forgiveness, forgiveness is an individual experience, just like healing is an individual experience. It's what is, it's learning what that means for you. What's your definition of forgiveness? And it could mean something different in every relationship that you have in every circumstance. Exactly. And, and I've asked people, you know, some of the common questions I ask people is who taught them how to forgive? Yeah. And I love that question because it's, it's not a judgment. It's who taught you about, like, for example, I was raised Catholic and we were taught about penance, about asking for forgiveness, about apologizing, but it wasn't really, there wasn't the discussion of, well, why are we apologizing? Mm, yeah. It's just kind of like what you're supposed to do to be a good person. Turn the other cheek. That's another one that irritates me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Turn, <you know. laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, I never, I never liked it. But, you know, in, in my research, I found that that came from a time period where it wasn't about just turning the other cheek. When when you turn the other cheek, the person would slap you on one side. And then if you slap the other one, they were challenging you to a duel. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. So it wasn't about just like eating crap. <laughs> like, but, yeah. You know, it was learning, oh, we're going to work this out one way or another. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess it's, in my opinion, I'm learning that it is, it's required, but it's required for me. It's not required to have someone else even apologize or to understand what they did wrong as much as I would love that it's really just coming to terms and peace with that other person and saying this is just where this is just the facts like this is just what it is so what's best for me like what is best for me to move on with my life in the healthiest way possible does that make sense absolutely And kind of like, you know, going back to the question I asked is like, who taught you how to forgive? Who taught you to have conflict resolution skills? And how do you actually define forgiveness? Yeah. And what are some answers that you get? I'd love to hear. (laughs) A lot of times people will say they never learned about forgiveness. I I was just going to say, like, were we even taught it? Because I don't don't know if I was. was. (laughs) It was more sort of like forgive and forget type of stuff. Yeah. Or the opposite is forgiveness as weakness. So there's more yeah. of that vengeful energy of, you know, I'm going to get, I'm, you hurt me, I'll, I'll, I'll get you in the end. My mom is the queen of holding a grudge that man, if someone does you wrong, that is it. Like that's mm-hmm. final, you know, it's just, so that's when you, that's why I, I love that question because I don't know that I was ever taught forgiveness other than, you know, I grew up a Christian where we would go to church and I love getting into it even deeper of 
you know, why should we forgive? Why do we need to do that? Right. And I think too, that's a really good question of, because my experience was, and I I don't know how it really developed is I had to work through being passive aggressive. (laughs) And so I would just vote people off the islands. And then all of a sudden one day I'm like, my God, I'm being a miserable prick. And I'm (laughs) just, I'm not like forgiving anyone. And they're just people they weren't doing, they've just, you know, like there was such a judgment. So that was part of my healing of, of having to go through that. I think there's such a physical energy to when we're not forgiving. And I think there's so much fear. If I, if I forgive you, you're going to hurt me again. If I forgive you, you're going to get away with this. Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. I'm letting, I'm letting them get away with it. Yes. Yeah. And so how do we avoid that? Well, I, I found that I heard this phrase once where being angry with someone is like drinking poison and waiting for them to die. <laughs> yes. I love well, that. And, and I, you know, when I'm working with my, with my clients, you know, one of the questions I ask them is, you know, have they ever had a bad breakup mm-hmm. and have they ever, you know, romanced what they would say if they see that person that wronged them and and then all of a sudden they they run into that person and that person's as happy as can be and they're oh "Oh, it's so good to see (laughs) and you're like I've plotted your death like a thousand times (laughs) oh my gosh yes and that goes back to we are holding all of this vengeance inside of us and all of these emotions and feelings and that other person is just living their life like sometimes the other person doesn't even realize the extent of what they did to us and so how can we be so angry when we maybe didn't even take the time to to explain that to them right And, and the questions too that I like to ask is you know what is what does not forgiving do for you? And what is holding on to the anger serve you? What does it do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in my coaching and in, in my therapy, it's exploring that of how is this, that pain is valid. What happened to you was real. Mm-hmm. How can we take that and sort of like turn it into fertilizer so you can grow instead of being stuck in that pain? Mm-hmm. And that's hard because it challenges our ego. Right. I, I kind of think of, um, you know, like an octopus, like I'm going to hold on to this resentment and <laughs> squeeze the life out of it. And then what? Yeah. You're just going to have an empty, empty vessel and you have nothing. You're still where you are before. You're still stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the topic because I don't want it to sound like I have any, like, I really don't have any enemies or anything. It's not like I have a major issue with holding grudges and things like that. It's just, it's just such an interesting topic where like I did a workshop recently where we did an exercise, a meditation, the Ho'oponopono, the Hawaiian technique of forgiveness. And I didn't realize that I was holding on to so much emotion and resentment and anger within me. And it just all released that day. Like I cried for like two hours afterwards where I just didn't realize I had so much emotion stored in my body around forgiveness. And again, it's not like I have these massive like conflicts in my life with people, but, but there are, there's some lingering stuff there that could be worked out. Right. And I think one of the things that I, I focus too is being a man, I love working with men because I think there's a lot of social beliefs of that men men struggle with. It's like, so how do I deal with these emotions? How do I acknowledge them? Um, if I release them, does that challenge my masculinity? Does that make me less of a man? And 
aren't I just if I if I have to go and talk to someone if I need help does that mean I'm weak because I can't do it alone Mm. and there's that belief of I, and I don't know where it comes from that we're supposed to do this on our own. That, that's some sort of definition of strength. Mm-hmm. And what I try to teach is I'm not, or what I share is I'm not trying to make you into someone you're not. I'm trying to help you like be the best you can. So you don't have to hold on to this crap anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you hold on to it, the longer you're just delaying your life you you know I always say like until we get rid of all of this old stuff we are constantly distracted and we are constantly just unfocused on our life we can't be present and therefore we can't focus on the future we can't make the goals and the you know we can't make the steps forward that we we deserve to be taking right and sometimes we're afraid to let go because we also don't know who will be without the resentment who will be well if we forgive because this has become our identity for so long yeah yeah and it, it's scary so being able to validate that and and you know sometimes I use the analogy when when we're talking about forgiveness or emotions it's like if you don't forgive it's like you're going to work 40 hours a week and you're giving your paycheck to someone else mm. Because that person's taking that energy or that situation is taking that energy mm-hmm. and you're working, you're living, you're doing all this stuff and they get to live rent free and make money off of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then when right. you say it a little bit way, it's like, well, son of a bee, I don't want it. I work hard for my money. You work hard for your wellness. You work hard for your love. And then when you are so, um, because it builds, right? The resentments build when we right. don't forgive it's going to poison our other relationships. It's going to poison our Mm -hmm. belief in ourselves. It's going to, it's going to, you know, take away from our satisfaction and our, our fulfillment because we have, it's like having a, you know, being in a ship out in the ocean, there are all these holes Mm -hmm. and we're going to sink. We're going to sink. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to, again, you know, you're, you're the only one suffering at the end of the day. Right. So why, so when, especially like when men come to you and they're trying to show that strength and not wanting to ask for help, it's like by doing the hard stuff right now, by working through this and having the support that I can give you, then this is, this is setting you up for massive success and massive fulfillment in your life going forward. Do the hard stuff now so that we can move on. We all deserve just to move on. This life is too short not to experience it fully. Exactly. And learning that it's okay that things hurt us. Yeah. And also that we hurt people. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if someone didn't understand that I'm just inherently human. I make mistakes. I, I try my best, you know, I just, sometimes I don't do the right thing, but for someone to hold a grudge against that is again, we're just human. We, we need to learn that forgiveness. We need to learn that empathy with one another. And once again, empathy is another one who taught you how to have empathy. I, I, I've known people who say, I don't know how to be empathetic. Yeah. And once again, they contribute that to being emotional, which contributes to the belief that they're weak. If yeah. they show emotion. Sure. I can imagine there's, there's, uh, working with, you know, in that field of trauma, you do, you have a lot of people who don't, don't feel safe to share their emotions because that's scary. That's right. making them vulnerable. And one of the things that's always interesting is I, I'm sort of out of the box 
in my work. Like when I was in grad school, one of the things that was really hard was there was sort of this push to sort of eliminate your personality. So clients would always feel welcome. And like, it, it was just sort of the, the idea of creating a non-judgmental environment, but it, mm. it was at the risk of sacrificing your genuineness. So I sort of, I, I just always ignored that because my personality just, it's like, you know, I talk about food or I talk about, I laugh, I like humor, I, but I will fight as much as I can to help a client get to where they need to be. Sure. And I think being able to be genuine and, you know, I share my stories with my clients of like, Hey, we all get pissed off. We all get angry. We all hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when they hear someone and I don't see it a lot in my field of other clinicians, it's kind of like, you know, there's this differentiation of power, like, you know, historically therapists were seen up here as, you know, no, we're just two people, especially right. with COVID. Like we are just like two people. I just have this amazing opportunity to support you in your journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to do whatever I can to do that. But that means I'm going to be real. I'm going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to validate that you've been through some, some rough things. Yeah. So and I was sometimes having... getting validated for the first time. Yeah. To change a person's life. Like you said, sometimes you do have to get real though. So we, yes, your feelings are valid, but how long can we stay in those feelings? Because the other day I was having a conversation with another coach and I was kind of just venting and just being all in my own feels. And I really expected her to be like, you know, wow. Yeah, that's tough. Like I, you know, oh, oh, poor you. And she didn't come back with that at all. She kind of was like, are you taking responsibility for your end? And I was just like, damn it. I really what? thought she was going to be like, oh, poor Amanda and she wasn't so so how do you be that like eye-opener for people to say yes your feelings are valid feel your feelings I'm all about that yeah feel your feelings get to the bottom of those feelings though so that you can eradicate those well yeah and and being able to I think it all starts with validation of you feel let's just stay let's just see where you're at and I use the word um you know sometimes when we're, we're very specifically, it's like when we're having a pity party or we're playing the victim, not necessarily like, you know, just in our own minds, there's pain there. Like people judge that. It's like, oh, you're playing the victim. It's like, no, it's like, I, I do that too. Like I have the pity party table for one. <laughs> yes. I get the little bit, like I know, but I also know, I know what it feels like, but I know sometimes when I go there, that's just my process of, I gotta be in that pain. I gotta feel stuck until I break out of it. And then right. I learn and I grow. and then. I don't have to do that as much as I used to. Sure. It's a, it's becoming aware. Uh, it's, it's doing the work to become aware of yourself and your tendencies. Right. So I know now like what the kind of signals are to show me, yeah, I need to take some time to just mellow out. I need to reset a little bit. And so it's learning to really just read yourself and to give yourself what you need. Right. And to ask yourself, what would you do if you had no fear? Mm, good question. What would you do if you had no fear? Does fear come up a lot in your work? I I think directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. I know it does for me as a person when Mm -hmm. I, uh, when I'm not, when I'm working towards a goal, but I am not accomplishing it or I'm holding myself back or I Mm -hmm. feel that someone could do it better, you know, like sort of like imposter syndrome, they say a lot, Uh, insecurities. I'm not believing in myself I'm afraid that I'm not good enough or I'm not strong enough or I'm not you know clever enough Mm -hmm. and usually fear 
to me are lies. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there, but there's a, there is a piece. It's sort of like, I think of uh, like a mischievous child who doesn't know how to articulate their needs. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. They're scared, right? And the, like, maybe the world is scary. That's okay. Yeah. But let's figure out what you need. Like, I think people always try to take away the fear, like, oh, just stop being fear, no fear, all of this, or no mm-hmm. anger. It's like, let yourself be angry, let yourself be pissed off, and then, like, let's figure it out. Like, I don't care if you're angry, I don't care if you're afraid. I yeah. can work with that, but let's yeah. just figure out what the why? need is. Like, what is it and why? I think that's the biggest thing, and I think that's becomes my biggest frustration is I... I make a lot of excuses. I procrastinate a lot. I, I'm not where I want to be at in my life right now. And I know it's my fault. And, but subconsciously, I know it's because there's a block there. There's a fear there. So like you said, we have to learn to live with that fear and just let our mind know that, yes, I I know that you're trying to warn me. Our mind is trying to protect us and keep us away from the unsafe unknown, because that's all it is, is fear is just the unknown. So I think it's just, it's frustrating when we don't always know why we are feeling the way that we're feeling. So that's when it's okay to say, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do to figure it out though, which could mean calling up Patrick and, you know, getting his help or coming and coaching with me and let's do a hypnotherapy session, you know? So it's like getting to the bottom of it. I'm all about feeling your feelings and letting yourself heal, but healing means taking action to feel better. So you cannot just stay content with always being in pain and sadness and hurt and anger. It's knowing that I don't have to stay this way. I can make sure that I do something so that in a year from now, six months from now, I'm not where I am. I'm not feeling this overwhelming emotion that I'm holding on to right now. Right. That I don't have to suffer. Yeah, I don't have to. And I think some people get that misconception of, well, it's not always fair or there's pain and we we can't always be happy. It's not always about being joyful. And I get that we do have moments in our lives where we're going to be going through the hard stuff. We're going to be in the thick of it. But I truly believe that the natural setting, the natural state we're meant to be in is joy. Right. And, and I think people when they see other people being happy instead of being joyful for them, they're like, well, why can't I have that? Like we go to a really, mm-hmm. you know, the why, mm-hmm. the have and have nots. Sure. And, and I think that's where, like you're saying, being able to, to explore kind of like what they say in the recovery world, people, places, and things. Are the people, places, and things bringing me joy? Are they helping me move? Are they, are they helping me grow? Or are they keeping me stuck in sickness? Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was at this job and I was really unhappy and I was on the phone with a friend of mine. And I was complaining and complaining. And she goes, well, have you applied to any other jobs? And I said, oh, no. no. <laughs> Why would I have to? She goes, then you can't really complain. Yeah. I go, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I had my little tantrum hung right. up. She was right. And so I went and I applied to a job and I got an interview within a week. Yeah. But that that bitterness that we get used to because we it it that pity is is sort of addictive mm, mm-hmm. and like you said it it's is. like becoming proactive of so what do you need to not be miserable what do you need yeah. to find hope what do you need to find motivation yeah I, and I like- sometimes it's what I call the um 
the what is what is the word I use? Uh, the like the anti goal or the or something like that. It's like so. What do you not want? Because people are so used to like, well, I want this, I want that. But I also need to know if I'm coaching or, or doing therapy with you, what do you not want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And let's get that know. on the table. So when we're, we're creating this recipe for you, it mm-hmm. has all the ingredients that you love. Yeah. How do you think that we like stop that comparison? Because I think that was a big one for me <laughs> is to, 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 I was constantly comparing and I was constantly saying, well, must be nice. Must be nice. They have this, they have this you know, so how, how do you kind of help or how would you process that even personally? Maybe what do you do when that comes up? I go into, uh, the conversation about jealousy. Mm. Okay. And that's, that's another <laughs> powerful one of people of, sure. of jealousy and judgment. Yeah. And why do you think you deserve more? Why do you think they deserve less? Mm-hmm. Why can't it be all of us? can want more and all of us can deserve more whatever that might be more days off more healthier Mm -hmm. friends healthier food whatever it may be um why why does it have to be the haves and the have nots when there's more than enough when there's more abundance it's just hard when we have expectations because sometimes expectations are built on fantasy Mm. you know like um i a lot of times when i'm doing my couples retreats I, I talk about where they learned about romantic relationships. And for me, I grew up watching a lot of animated films and cartoons sure. and, and TV specials where it was always happily ever after. Yeah. So if I changed, if I did something, if I proved my worth, <laughs> then yeah. I'll find this love and then it'll just be easy. We'll be happy. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. But then when you grow up, it's not that way. And then you're, you're constantly thinking, but in the movies, it's like this. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, I think we just get programmed <laughs> to, to always have to think like, well, it's, it is the have or have not. So you either have it or you don't. And then right. we start to, at a very young age, start to wonder, okay, well, why don't I have it? And then you start to come up with all these ideas in your mind about it, which tends to come into, you know, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. So it just becomes so deeply ingrained and I am all about, you know, a world where we can all have everything that we desire. I, I promise you it's a possibility if we all just start operating from that highest level and understanding that when we support each other, when we collaborate, when we connect with one another and we encourage each other to, to explore these ideas, these dreams that you have, that's how this world has evolved. That's how we've gotten to this point. And do we have a lot of work still to do in this world? Heck yeah. But we are making progress, whether it seems like it or not. And that comes from that deep understanding of connection and collaboration and support. And also challenging our ego, challenging our fear Mm -hmm. and asking ourselves, am I doing this out of love or am I doing this out of fear? Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've learned in my own journey, especially with mental health, you know, with depression, anxiety, and other experiences I've had, and this is just, I'm just clarifying, this is my experience. When I'm struggling, I find myself to be very selfish Mm -hmm. because my pain is so inflamed that it's, it's even hard. Like if, a, if we're not having every conversation, it's not about my pain, then I don't really want to have it. Right. Yeah. And I remember this one time, um, I had lost 
a really close family member. And if you've ever experienced grief, it's exhausting Mm -hmm. and it's painful. And I remember this one time where a friend of mine was going through something and and I was in my grief and my initial reaction was, I just can't handle this. Yeah. And I remember it was almost like, like the matrix, like everything froze. (laughs) There was something in my spirit saying, Patrick, come on. You have to, you have to, they have been with you. They have supported you since this whole, you know, grieving process began. Be there for them. And I just, and it wasn't, they weren't even asking anything of me. I just sent that message of, I'm here for you if you need to. Like, do you want to talk? And it sort of like broke me out of the spell of my grief was still Mm -hmm. real, but it wasn't drowning me because I was able to be there for another person. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I thought consuming you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it you was realized that there's a world outside of it. Right. And I didn't have to choose. I didn't have to give sure. up my grief because I, you know, cause I was grieving the person I lost and loved and missed. And, uh, and I could still love my friend and be there for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's, I, I, you've done such a good job today of just explaining that it's not that either, or it doesn't have to be, I have to give up one thing in order to have another thing. I don't have to completely let go of that grief just to be there for my friends. So that's, I think that's really powerful stuff. So I think in a practical sense, I would love if you could just give a few examples then of that fear-based versus coming from a love base so what are some ways either personally or through your work you've learned to kind of identify okay am I operating from a place of fear right now I think that'd be really helpful for people I I do a couple things usually I pull in you know some body work of being able to connect them to their body a little bit of when you're angry let's say angry or afraid I would ask them to to imagine a scenario if they could feel that it's like where do you notice that in your body and I might say, well, my stomach or my, my throat or something. And I have them describe it to me. And usually it's like, it's heavy, it's dark, it's prickly. It's, it's this. And then I ask them a time where they feel happy and joyful. Yeah. And where do they notice that in the body? And, and so it's kind of like creating a reference point. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I do is I ask them to think of a person, a healthy person that they absolutely love that every time they see, they light up. Mm -hmm. And anytime you really ask someone that, you know, whether it's like a parent or something at a restaurant, they smile. And and I'll say, you see that feeling right there? You can feel it in your body. That's when you know you're in the love. That's when you know you're connected. Yeah. That's what, that's your compass. And when you go off of that, you got to figure out where you're going and what's Mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. I think it's important to do that. That's a really simple, you know, way to just kind of set that start point that, that knowing of, okay, and really, I'm sure you do a little bit of, okay, how do we anchor that in? I know I love doing that through like an NLP technique where you anchor something in. So, so think about that person that just brings you so much happiness and then brings that smile to your face. And then just take a minute to sit with that and just let yourself really know like, okay, this is what it means to feel love and connected so that you have a reference point. That's so important. Exactly. And our lives are so busy and our world is all about disconnection that we have to put even more forth an effort to reconnect with ourselves, which means we also have to spend more time forgiving ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of times we focus on 
others and whether we can forgive them or not. But I find self-forgiveness is really, that's what I've learned in my spiritual journey and my healing of, I have to see what my role is, like you were saying, mm-hmm. and and forgive myself for making mistakes or not listening to myself or not listening to my intuition, sure. ignoring red flags, knowing that I went against something that wasn't right for me and and really learning how to forgive myself for that and acknowledge that I'm you know, sometimes it's like acknowledge I'm frustrated with myself or disappointed or angry with myself. If I don't have that honest conversation with myself, I can't move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's forgiving yourself for, first of all, for forgiving yourself for what you didn't know at the time, but even going forward, like even after, after we've done this work, we know sometimes we still make mistakes. We still blow up on our mom when she pisses us off, where we, you know, we still say the wrong thing to our kid when we're having a bad day. So it's, it's understanding that you, then you forgive yourself, even though you did know better, you, you make mistakes. You're human. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, I think people are so hard on themselves, but sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we made a mistake because we didn't know any better or we've never been in this situation or we were given incorrect information or someone misleads us. Let's have a little compassion. If I would, if I had the chance to do this again, would I do it differently? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Being okay with knowing. That's just a big one for me. It's just knowing that I made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of choices that made my life so much harder than it needed to be. And it's delayed a lot of things in my life, but it got me to where I am today, you know? So why do I have to be so hard on myself? Why, why do I have to just kick myself so hard when it's, you know, look at where I am and what I do know now because of it. Right. And we always tell people to forgive themselves and others, but we got to do the same work ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I think you're awesome how transparent you are. And I try to be pretty transparent as well, where, you know, I might be doing this work. I might be helping people to, you know, work on their forgiveness and their self-worth and all of that, but I still, I still struggle with it myself and I'm not perfect. So I think it's important for everyone just to remember that. And it's not about perfection. It's just about keeping going and Mm -hmm. growing and learning. If you, you're continuing, I remember, you know, I believe in, in karma and not in a, in an abusive way, but as a, mm-hmm. as a spiritual philosophy of growth. I remember this one time I was working and I really lost my temper with a coworker yeah. and it was just like, you know, I was in a bad place and I just didn't handle it well. And I knew I was reflecting. I'm like, man, I really handled that situation poorly. And then a year passed and almost the exact same thing happened with the same coworker. So what did I do? I lost my temper again. Oh, I, no, totally I was hoping, I that. thought you were going to say, maybe you did something different. <laughs> oh, no, because I'm so committed to my <laughs> belief. But you know, what did change is I caught it after saying, oh my God, I just did this. I <laughs> yeah. don't want to do it again. And then it never happened again. Oh, but I okay. caught it even after I fell. Yeah. So, okay. Whew. That's a good word. Audit. Yeah. Like audit yourself, audit your experiences, audit your interactions, because no, we're not always going to do the right thing, but as long as afterwards we kind of know, is it, is it hard for you to apologize when you've done something wrong? Depending on the situation, I'm not going to lie sometimes, but I've learned that's just my ego and that's my fear. Like what if I actually did something wrong? Um, But when you 
when you learn about conflict resolution, it, it challenges a lot of our old beliefs of, oh, if, if I've hurt someone and they're telling me, that means they love me and they don't want to lose me. Whether it's a friend or a coworker or a partner or a family member, oh, they're just trying. I remember I was in this argument once with a friend of mine and we were both very creative in our arguing skills <laughs> in a polite <laughs> yeah. way to say that. And I remember, it was, of course, through texting, because why not in, in our day and age? The best way to do it, right. And then my friend had texted something about something I did really hurt. And I was ready to retaliate, right? Mm. And there was, once again, to me, it, it kind of happens like there's like the time just sort of stops. And I said, this is a person I care about. This is a friend. They're hurting because of something I've done. Yeah. It's not about winning. It's not about losing. It's like, yeah. so I slowed down and said, you're right. I'm sorry. Mm. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really big. Um, That's it, it was embarrassing, but not because of having to, to apologize, but because I had, I had es- let it escalate so high. Sure. Yeah. That's incredible to be able to say, you know, we all just, we want to come from a place of love. So it's, it's knowing that at the end of the day, no matter who's right or who's wrong, I just want to resolve this because I love you. Right. I saw this really interesting clip of uh, some talk show where the host was saying, well, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And the guest said, that's not true. If you are a lover, you're fighting for love. Mm, wow. Yeah. And I love, because I think, you know, we think love is, is meek and weak and makes you vulnerable. But for me, what I found is it's the strongest force because it's going to kick my ass when I need it. Like that friend who called me on my crap, like it was, it was the person who loves me enough to say, Patrick, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to you right now. Cause this yeah. isn't, it's not true. You're, you need to reexamine this or the person who loves me enough to say, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's hard, but I have no doubt you can do it. And sometimes we just need that. Yeah. We need to say that to ourselves, but sometimes we need that external validation of, oh, I have to remember I can do this. I love myself yeah. and I'm loved. Yeah, I am loved and I deserve love and I can give love. And that's a huge one is just remembering all that. It's just knowing that when you have love on your side and love in your heart, when you have relationships, like those friendships that are stronger than ever, they have your back. It's then you can accomplish so much more. You can take on this world more confidently and you can take on this world knowing that, man, I have support. So it's incredible what you can do with love when you, when you stop living from that ego base, that fear. And when you're not family with love, that's telling you, you got some work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I know we've been talking, I need to let you get back to your, your life, (laughs) but I guess my last question I always ask is what is the power that you have found through healing? That there is so much more out there than my brain can even, there's so many gifts and blessings out there. And the more I work on myself and the more I heal myself, the more I can be there for other people and support them just as people have supported me. And and that is going to help me fight through those dark moments and not give up because I, I was born to help others and I will not stop. 
and helping people it's like planting seeds right if i can help other people they're going to help other people and then we're really creating that network of love which i think is is what, where we come from yeah that's beautiful thank you that just opened i could talk to you for another hour now <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> but we'll have to talk again soon yeah i would love to yes absolutely thank you so much patrick it is always good to talk to you i'm so happy we've you been able to, to connect and get to know each other And that is a wrap. I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed that conversation and you can see now how really important forgiveness is along your healing journey, understanding that you are absolutely human, you're going to make mistakes. And I'm going to leave all of Patrick's contact information in the show notes. Make sure to stay in touch with him. I'll definitely leave the podcast interview that I did with him on his show, but make sure to listen and tune into his show as well. He is an incredible human being living this life of service and passion and purpose. And that's the life that I hope for all of you. So as always, go out and live in your truth, live in your creativity, and most of all, understand that there is power to be found through healing.